Welcome to another classic, bombastic, weaving through the traffic, a podcast so niche that we don't even have a demographic episode of the Reclassico podcast. I'm your host, Alex Young, and today is just me, no Mario today, and we're mixing it up today. I figured we are going to be a little less niche today. We're going to do something a little more fun, a little bit more accessible. What I have here in front of me is a list of about 20 questions. It's probably more like 12, but we'll say 20 questions. And they're not even, most of them aren't even about music. These are questions that, you know how sometimes you'll have questions that you wish someone would ask you, but no one ever does because it is so dang niche or so dang random. I have some of those questions, but I've also asked people in my family I've consulted the internet. It is 15-ish random questions just about me and how I would answer them. So how how this is going to work is I'm going to lay out those questions. I'm going to answer them. And then I have this little scripted part from another episode about my favorite rap lyric of the past couple years. So stay tuned for that. I, I promise you it's worth your time. Let's get into this. First question. We're starting off soft. What is your favorite book? I feel like this is a little bit of a trick question. I (laughs) have always had some sort of weird phobia with reading where I just can't really pick up a book and go through it. Or I was able to as a kid and I just haven't done it nearly as much. The latest book I picked up and started reading was, it was called When Money Dies. I'm not saying it was much of a page-turner, but it was about inflation in the Weimar Republic, and there's this really interesting, I guess, shall we say, backdrop of, could this happen again? Could this sort of hyperinflation happen again in the U.S.? Or, I don't know, someone on Twitter said that it had something to do with cryptocurrency, like I explained the state today. I don't really believe that, but... It was an interesting book, what I read of it. I read a ton of articles. I listen to a bunch of podcasts, but reading's never been totally my cup of tea in the bookshop. Number two, what is my favorite movie? This is a difficult question. There are a lot of movies that I love. Like Maybe I'll watch it for the first time and be like, wow, that was the greatest movie I've ever seen, and then never watch it again. I felt that way with the movie Fight Club. I loved it, and I think I've only watched it once since. I felt that way about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So I kind of like those sort of darker, edgier stuff. I, I really liked the movie, what was uh, the Hugh Jackson Wolverine, the last one where Wolverine kind of dies. That was cool too, but I will say my favorite movie is actually Hitch. Uh, The Will Smith rom-com. I think that was a lot of fun. And it's a movie where if someone brings it up, it's like, I'm down to watch it again. And I'm usually not down to re-watch a movie. So Hitch is the answer. Also like Talladega Nights, Battle of Ricky Bobby, Will Ferrell classic. And Elf. I mean, that's why I've been saying as a kid, I really like Elf. I haven't watched it lately. So, But Hitch it is. Number three, what did you think of the Super Bowl halftime show? I think this is an unpopular opinion, especially since it feels like the Super Bowl halftime show was catered towards 
rap hip-hop heads like me. I thought it was fine. I, I think I'm just never going to be satisfied with the Super Bowl halftime show. First off, it is kind of weird that whenever they have a California halftime show, because the reason it's weird is they'll have, it'll be daytime at the places, so it won't be dark out. It'll be dark outside your East Coast home, but it won't be dark outside that particular stadium. And I think it just makes it weird and takes away from the effect. I felt this way with Beyonce Super Bowl halftime, the Beyonce Coldplay show when it was in San Francisco. So that was weird. Uh, number two, I felt like I was sort of, I feel like I'm eight years too young for this. I felt like they put in, they threw in Kendrick Lamar and Eminem to rope me in, and it ended up being the Dr. Dre halftime show, which I'm glad it happened, and it's probably the right show to happen. But if you look at all the commercials leading into the Super Bowl, a lot of them were just using 90s nostalgia to sell you electric vehicles. And it felt targeted not towards me, but the generation slightly above me. So I personally would have liked to see more Kendrick Lamar. I thought his part was, was a lot of fun. I felt like they just brought on Eminem to say Mom Spaghetti and then bounce. <laughs> but I'm glad it happened. I just feel it felt a little safe, and it felt a little slanted towards a demographic older than me. But then again, I'm a picky person. Next question, number four. Design your own Super Bowl halftime show. Who is in it? All right, so I'll try to avoid something super niche like Igloo Ghost or Lupe Fiasco or Chitty Bang coming back together. I think the Super Bowl halftime show, that would have been a lot of fun this past year. I think we sort of missed the boat in the moment, but honestly, I would be so down for an Olivia Rodrigo halftime show. And here's... But I think... We missed the apex mountain of Olivia Rodrigo. It would have had to happen this year. So here's here's my plan. You have Olivia Rodrigo. You have Billie Eilish, Dua Lipa. One of my problems with this past halftime show is I, I thought there were too many cooks in the kitchen. There are too many people. There are six artists they try to cram in there. So bring in those three. I think we're having a lot of fun. And then at the very end, we have an alien spaceship come down you know, the government lends us one of their UFOs. And you have Taylor Swift coming in doing I knew you were trouble when we walked in and the whole crowd is going like, lay it on the cold hard ground. <laughs> Sorry for your ears, but I would have a lot of fun with that and I think a lot of other people would. So make it happen, NFL. They're not going to. Question number five, what is your guilty pop culture pleasure? What is your guilty pleasure in pop culture? I, I think Olivia Rodrigo is a good answer for this, but I don't feel guilty liking it, so I, I'm not going to use that one. I think my biggest guilty pleasure in pop culture is the video game Kingdom Hearts. And I, I really liked these games as a kid, and if you haven't played them before or you're not familiar, the whole premise is Disney meets Final Fantasy. 
or more so Final Fantasy meets Disney. So you'll have these random like anime people named Sora, named Kyrie, and they'll be in this really kind of deep, intense talk about hearts and darkness and stuff. And then you'll have kind of Mickey Mouse right there. And I never really liked the whole Mickey Mouse inclusion, but you do get to visit a lot of Disney worlds. There is a lot of nostalgia in there, and it is somewhat propaganda for, for Disney in a way. I really enjoyed kind of like the anime side of that, and I thought it was really cool, but then again, like as a grown man playing Kingdom Hearts 3, I'll be playing it, and then my dad will walk in and see a cutscene with Mickey Mouse and say, what the hell is happening? And I have no defense, and it is really cringy. And so it hasn't really aged the best, but it is something that was part of my childhood that I was really interested in when the third game came out a couple years ago. Question number six. What is a song that is constantly stuck in your head? This question was submitted from my to my dad. And I don't really have one right now. I think one song I'll bring up is the song by 100 Gex. It's called Hand Crushed by a Mallet. <laughs> and there's a, there's a part in it, and apologies for the explicit lyrics, but there's the, like the main climax of the song. There's a part where it goes like, oh my god, what the fuck? Take my hand, crush it up. And it is a little random, a little intense, a little cringy, and... I'll just randomly be walking around my apartment and the lyric will come to my head and I'll just randomly blurt out, oh my god, what the fuck? And just because it's almost kind of fun to say, and then my roommate will be like, hey, Alex, are you okay? And I'll be like, oh yeah, no, it's it's just just 100 gecks. Like, I'm, I'm totally cool. Like, no need to call anyone. I'm totally good. So question number seven, I'm trying to count these. Uh, I probably skipped one, but what? who are your podcast influences? My number one podcast influence is the Bill Simmons podcast. I've said many times that the Reclassico podcast is the music version of his Rewatchables podcast. I like the one-on-one conversational thing. I think that's a little bit more interesting than and easier to pull off than the narrative podcast you might see on True Crime. I will also say that I take some cues from my other podcast hero, Zach Lowe. He is an NBA writer for ESPN. Specifically, he will start his podcast. He'll say, like, welcome to the Low Post podcast. And I'll start my podcast as welcome to, like, another classic reclassical podcast. So that is my answer. Those are my two podcast heroes. But there are a lot of good podcasts out there. Pop Culture Happy Hour by NPR turned it on the other day. A lot of fun, and no matter who you are. Question number, this is definitely not question number eight, but question number eight, what is your <laughs> most prized possession? I think a couple years ago I would have picked some like random obscure vinyl, but that's, I think it's my laptop, I guess. I This is sort of a lame answer to it, but if the house was on fire, I would probably grab my wallet, my phone, and my keys, and maybe my laptop. I grab my keys, even though the thing I would use my keys for is burning down. But that's my answer to that. 
Question number nine, is Duke winning it all this year? First off, to say any team is winning it all, so is Duke winning the college basketball national championship? I'm kind of leaning against it. I've, I think for sure they are the most talented team in the nation. They have their starting five is going to go in the first round. They have five first round draft picks, but they can be had. And if you have the right recipe, so if you get their center Mark Williams in foul trouble, if you attack their stud freshman Paolo Bancaro on defense. Duke only has two guys I trust to make a shot at all. They're A.J. Griffin and Wendell Moore. I love the other guy, Trevor Keels, but if he's determining Duke's fate in the tournament, I am kind of worried. So I think they're a great defensive team, but there are just certain games where they just get the look and they they look very deer in the headlightsy. And they've just lost a lot of games where maybe they're up three with 30 seconds left. Or they just have some crazy botch thing in a in a close game. So I don't trust them in a close game. And so I have no clue where they're going this year. They could win it all, but I worry they're going to lose in the second round to some team with a tiny point guard. Next question, favorite fun fact, question number 10. I could not think of a favorite fun fact, but I asked my dad this. And my dad is big on the Supreme Court. And he said that his favorite fun fact about the Supreme Court is that the first justice of the Supreme Court, the first chief chief justice, I think Justice Marshall, he made every single Supreme Court justice live with him in the same house and have meals with him. And as a matter of fact, maybe because Mr. Marshall was paying rent, a lot of them tended to agree with a lot of his determinations. So I thought that was interesting, maybe a sign of the 1780s, I guess, is when that, that was. But times have changed, I guess. <laughs> As it, it's really interesting how the court worked back then. And question number 11. All right, here's a, actually a serious question. What is something thing people misunderstand about me. Shout out to my stepmom, Erin, for submitting this. I don't think people understand anything about me. I don't have a misunderstood Hot Topic t-shirt on, but I think I would characterize myself as a very open, closed person. So if you ask me anything, I'm pretty much an open book. I am a little... I'm very honest about myself. I'm a little too honest. In fact, my whole humor base is built around self-deprecation. And so I'm very open with sharing about maybe some of my personal struggles or vulnerabilities out there. But at the same time, I'm very close. I'm very awkward. If you get to meet me for the first time, I don't make a good first impression, at least in my opinion. And unless we've hung out a couple times, I'm very just somewhat closed and I don't really know how to like introduce myself to people, if that makes sense. So I'm a very open, closed person. So if I haven't talked to you in a while, it's not that I like don't want to talk to you, just, you know, like anxiety, I guess. (laughs) But if you're listening, I hope you're doing well. And talk to you soon, I guess. Yes. 
All right, another silly question. This is question number 12 or 13. Let's go with question number 13. I, I've totally lost count. Uh, what is your go-to order at Whataburger? So Whataburger is a Texas-based fast food chain. My go-to order, I think it's pretty standard. It's They have this honey barbecue chicken strip sandwich. So here's the premise. You get... A slice, two slices of Texas toast, put chicken strip on that, slap on some cheese, and put barbecue sauce on it, and toast it. That is the sandwich. And I haven't had one in like five years since I've, I've graduated college, but it really slaps, and their taquitos are also really good. You got to go at 11 p.m. I'm I got to go to bed at 11 p.m. I don't think I could do the late night, but their breakfast menu opens at 11 p.m. So you got to go then get a honey butter chicken biscuit <laughs> and get a heart attack. So uh, I'll save you money on the next order. Er, er. Later, I I started transitioning to the, the patty melt and other stuff on their menu, but that was, that was my go-to for a while. My brother also asked this question 14, what a burger? cookout or in and out i don't think this is a debate i don't get why in and out people are so defensive but it's whataburger and absolute landslide i don't know why this is a question and i don't get in and out people they're like oh we only have one thing on the menu but wait we have a secret menu so we have two things on the menu and i just i had it once i went to california for this express purpose and it was it was fine. It was a fine burger. It was good. Uh, I'd maybe have it again, but disrespect to In-N-Out, Whataburger just has everything you need in fast food, including the calories. Uh, question number 15. This is from the internet. What is your fast food horror story? I'm going to say the Charlottesville Popeye's drive through I was there for 40 minutes, and you know what? I haven't really eaten fast food since, so shout out to Popeyes. I've actually, I sound like I eat fast food every day. I've really cut down on it. It's maybe more of a once a week, once every two weeks. Uh, more of a treat, I guess, but kind of leaned off that. Question number 15, here's the big one. What is your biggest dating fail? Too many to count, of course, but I think about a month or two ago, we had just had a snowstorm in in Charlottesville, Virginia, which is in the mountains in Virginia. And it's a college town. It's where the University of Virginia is. And I was scheduled for a first date off the of app and... You know, my first date suggestion is just something low stakes. I, I usually just kind of suggest coffee because it worked the first time, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I, so we just had a snowstorm, and but the coffee shop is about a mile away from my place. And so I have the bright idea of saying, like, hey, I haven't had any steps today. I'm going to go take a walk, and I'm going to walk to this place. And right now it's 20 degrees outside and it's absolutely frigid. But I decide, you know, I, I want to go outside and, and I walk. Right. So I get there all right. And we're about, to, I'm already a bit chilly. 
and we get there and it is frigid, but we get into the coffee shop and I should have realized this before I ordered, but I ordered a iced drink at the coffee shop. I always get an iced caramel latte. That is my go-to no matter what the temperature. And so I get my drink and it's time to sit down and we're hitting it off and we're having a good time. And then I realized that I just ordered coffee in a college town with full of a million college students that aren't that have swarmed this coffee shop. So there's no seating inside. And so unfortunately we have to find something outside. And oh boy, it was so cold. It was so frigid. And we found a bench outside and I was freezing my absolute butt off with my iced caramel latte trying to keep me warm but actually making me much colder. And I, I think the worst part about it was the date was actually going well in a way and a 30-minute conversation turned into an hour conversation which turned into a two-hour conversation. And by the end, I have my jacket all the way zipped up. I have my hood over my face. I am shaking as I am trying to be spontaneous and talk to this person and act like I'm interesting and stuff. And so, I mean, it wasn't totally a fail. I think we had like one or two dates after that. At, but I was absolutely, I ordered the wrong drink and it was cold and miserable. And then I had to walk back. And by the time I had to walk back, like, the coffee has processed and I really got to go to the restroom and there's a bunch of ice on the road and oh man I've never walked back I've I think that's my fastest mile time just going back to my house house in the freezing cold so don't do that to yourself y'all if you're a Charlottesville guy don't order coffee in the winter don't find something else because you're not going to get indoor seating in Charlottesville there's just too many college students that one was a little long. Let's go to question 17. <laughs> what would your dream bathroom look like? I have no clue, but I saw this question on the internet. We'd have a nice little backsplash, maybe some lavender air freshener. I, I haven't thought much beyond that. Uh, some steam. We have to have, what is the those little steam toilets? The bidet? We could have a bidet. I think those are weird, man. My mom got a bidet, and she's like, oh, Alex, you have to try the bidet. I was like, I, I don't know. I mean, this is, this. it tickles. It tickles, but I, I'm not sure I want to be tickled. But, okay, that should probably edit that out. But we'll go on to the next question, question 18. This is a question I ask myself all the time, which no one ever asked me, but... <laughs> because no one would ever think to ask me, if you were to create your own musical album, what would it be called? And I've thought about this way too much. First off, I would create an album called Finding Emo. And I, like, I'm like i not even too into emo music, but I, I would hear the name and it's like, ah, oh, now I gotta create an emo album to live up to the name, Finding Emo. Um, I would also probably wanna create a mashup album so one album I, I thought of is you mix mf doom's mad villainy with kanye west yay and the album becomes mad villain yay 
but I would I would have a mashup album where I take all my favorite songs across different genres, mash them out up together, and it would be titled Alex Ruins His Favorite Songs. And it'd be great if I could ever figure out how to do that and I wouldn't get sued my pants off. But that would be my that would be my dream concept album. Question eighteen. Which celebrity would you like to be friends with? This was asked by a teammate at work. Which celebrity would you like to be friends with? My initial answer and my initial thought process is the UCLA basketball player, Tiger Campbell. No one knows who he is, but he has great hair. He, I like watching him play. He knows what he's doing. I just want him to be happy. And I think he'd be a good hang. But my actual answer or the one I submitted to my colleagues was I would pick Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay, and for the sole purpose of Gordon Ramsay would spur me on to have a better diet. So if I was making pasta for the second night in a row, he'd be like, not good enough. That's not good enough, Alex. And if I was making the same bland ham sandwich for lunch, he'd be like, you'd call my sandwich an idiot sandwich. He's like, not good enough. So it would really stink, but it's like when you sign yourself up for a crazy workout session and then you have to actually do it. So I would hate it, but I think it would be a good good hang or it would help my nutrition. Question number 19. What is the best money that I have ever spent? This is me bragging about my NFT investing. So there was a <laughs> baseball card NFT. It was through MLB Tops Digital. And I don't think this was actually the best money I ever spent, but it was a pretty good ROI. Just you bought these really stupid NFT baseball packs and then I resold them for so like I spent almost 300 <laughs> on these stupid packs. And I could have bought more, but I was like this is really risky and but then you're able to sell them for like a thousand. So I made a couple hundred dollars, ruined my taxes, but yeah, I don't even know why. This is not a good question, but question number 20, what is the advice you would give your younger self? Well, my the first advice I would give my younger self is I would tell my younger self who was winning all the sports championships and, and bet on them. I'd say, don't bet on the Jets. I would say... Um, there's going to be this year when UConn is really a huge underdog in the NCAA tournament. They'll have this guy named Kemba Walker. It's going to be like 100 to 1 odds. Just bet your mortgage on that. So I have to change this question. So question number 20, what is the non-gambling advice you give your younger self? The, or this is question 21, non-gambling advice you give your younger self. And I would say, hey, major in comp sci try all the hard maths and you can do those harder courses in high school and college. I had this weird situation. One of the best teachers I ever had in high school, but he was my pre-calculus teacher and I had him junior year. And for whatever reason, he kept talking about how calculus BC was the hardest class you'll ever take in your life and how he failed calculus and it it taught him to be better but it, he had to take it really seriously and I think he 
I think his overall goal was for us to take calculus super seriously. However, I that really just turned me off and, and made me scared and made me feel like I, I couldn't do that. My my dad was an English major, and I felt like it just wasn't in our genes or something like that. So I wish I had taken computer science. I think I'd be able to do a lot more cool stuff with that. And I've learned to code a little bit, but that's something I wish I did a little bit more as a younger person. And question number 22 the question no one will ask me, so I have to ask myself. What is your favorite rap lyric? And I have a couple nominees. Uh, I'll say three. They're all from Lupe Fiasco, the greatest rapper of all time, of course. The first one is on the song The Coolest from his album The Cool. He's talking, he goes through this whole verse talking about a very combustible romance with, it's this really extended metaphor, this girl known as the streets uh, i don't know it's it's hard to explain Ch check out genius if you need context but he ends he's talking about this combustible r romance and at the very end he ends the verse with a match made in heaven set the fires in hell so maybe she would retire as well a match made in heaven set the fires in hell and you're like oh that's cool that's eloquent etc etc but you have to think about it. A match, think of lighting a match for a cigarette, a match made in heaven, set the fires in hell. So heaven, hell, match, fire. I thought that was pretty cool. Another cool lyric, I just think it sounds cool, is at the end of his song, the music to drive by. Uh, he ends the song saying, borrow my jewels and bar the fools. Because they'll play uh, like the space bar and tools theme music to a drive by, put it in your car and cruise. And I just love the, they'll play uh, like the space bar and tools. Every time I open up Microsoft PowerPoint, I open up the tools menu to see if the space bar will say play. And unfortunately, it does not. I think Microsoft has had update. I, I don't know if it was the 2017 version or not. So, that's no longer functional, but I think it was a fun little bar. All right. And then uh, on the song Touch the Sky, he has a feature, and he has this part where he says, A touche lupe, cool as an unthawed, but I still feel possessed as a gun charge. So unthawed, I, cool as an unthawed, it took me a minute before I noticed that. I don't know. I, I just think that sounds cool. And so this next part of, but those are all old lyrics, and this next part is going to, which we're going to cut to in a minute, this next part is going to go into my favorite lyric that I've heard in over the past couple of years. I have a bit more to say on this particular lyric, and I think it's worth your time. If you listen to our Rhapsody, Lila's Wisdom episode, it's from that album, but if you're new to the podcast, consider checking it out. It, this content coming up is going to be a little more in line with what a lot of our episode is. So enjoy. Uh, the main topic of today's podcast is somewhat of a add-on or additional commentary on the last episode we did, Rhapsody's Lila's Wisdom. And I really want to focus specifically on one lyric from that episode that has really been stuck in my head 
ever since we recorded it. I believe we recorded that episode in September, and this lyric has just stuck with me since. It's it's that good, and it's for, for good reason. The lyric is on the second verse of the song Black and Ugly from North Carolina rapper Rhapsody. I'm just going to play you a quick clip of the, the chorus of Black and Ugly. It's sung by featured artist BJ the Chicago Kid. Let's play a clip for context. Yeah, they call me black and ugly But I go so hard, make the whole world a man Yeah, they call me black and ugly But I go so hard that the whole world love me It's a beautiful, soulful introduction to our song Not exactly the ugliest voice In fact, quite beautiful In fact, a lot of the themes and the lyrics of this particular song are about really reclaiming the word black. We usually consider black to have maybe a bad connotation, and the song is really redeeming yourself that you are more than your label. Rhapsody is not black and ugly. She's a bit more than that if you hear from the lyrics, if you hear from her confidence, if you hear from just how good a rapper she is. She's pretty ridiculous we go over it in the episode but the specific lyric that has been stuck in my head because it's such a standout comes from the second verse if you look at the cover art of this podcast you'll see the lyrics in front of you let's play a clip of those lyrics black bottom jordans my soul black as organs a chain smokers in churches that sang hymns to organs black bottom jordans my soul black as organs of chain smokers and churches that sang hymns to organs. We are going to focus on two words today and the three different meanings those two words take in these two lines. Those two words are black and soul. This is going to be a three-part section. So I'm going to explain the first meaning, the second meaning, and then the third meaning. We're going to break these lyrics up. Let's start with part one. And part one is Black bottom Jordans, my soul black. This part is relatively straightforward. Obviously, the the bottoms of her shoes are black. The soles of her shoes are the color black. Rhapsody doesn't specify what type of Jordan she's wearing. I I don't know if it's some black cat fours or some Oreo fives. She's just wearing black shoes. And I imagine they look cool. But if we focus on the words black and soul... The connotation is pretty neutral. They're shoes. Maybe they're maybe it's a slightly positive connotation because they are Jordans. Maybe they look cool. But for now, we're going to say this is a neutral connotation of the words black soul. And the connotation is important as will make sense from parts two and three. So the middle part of the lyrics, part two. My soul black as organs of chain smokers. Black bottom Jordans, my soul black as organs, a chain smokers and- I want you to imagine one of those TRU anti-smoking campaigns, true sm- anti-smoking campaigns, where they show the person who had lung cancer and they put the little device up to their throat. I want you to imagine that while this lyric is being played. Like, imagine black bottom Jordans, my, my soul black as organs of, of chain smokers, like, Lung cancer is really nasty. Being a chain smoker, all that sort of black tar in your lungs, you're really doing your 
long-term health a disservice. Chain smokers is not a light term. What's not good looking are, are these lungs. They're just nicotine riddled, just gross, dark, and black. And it's that same darkness. So the lyric, my soul, again, soul is no longer the soul of a shoe, but your spiritual essence, your soul, her soul is black. Her soul is tainted with the grossness, the weight. It's tainted with sin. It's the inherent sin of humanity. And it's something about her. Maybe it's guilt inside her that is holding her down. So in the second part, the connotation of black is rather negative. It's dark. It's painful. It's sinful. Speaking of sin in the church, let's go to this third part of the lyric. Black bottom Jordans, my soul black as organs, a chain smokers in churches that sang hymns to organs. My soul black as churches that sang hymns to organs. Notice we have another type of organ. So our first organs were pretty decrepit lungs that were messed up, but these organs are working just fine, playing hymns such how great is our God, joy to the world in, in some sort of church. And it's not just any church, it's Rhapsody is referring to the warm black soul of a black church. We heard that warmth of black soul music on the song's chorus from BJ's The Chicago Kid. We're seeing that warmth in the lyrics now. And in this context, the word black has a positive connotation. Much of the song is about reclaiming the word black. And over the span of two lines, Rhapsody has given us a neutral, a negative, and a positive connotation for the same words, black soul. And while we're here, I might as well address the elephant in the room. I cannot directly relate to the song because I am not black. I'm also not ugly, but that was pretty obvious. You, you could hear my beautiful voice. But, you know, I mean, while I'm not ugly, I, I will feel ugly sometimes. I'll, I'll feel like a lot of things. And in our lives, it's our positive traits that leave a lasting impression and overshadow our flaws as long as we let them. In these lyrics, Rhapsody is all three of these things. She is the neutral, she is the negative, she is the positive. The good, the bad, the ugly, the, the black, whatever connotation you take it. I guess before we go, to understand the reason these lyrics maybe resonate with me is I want you to look at all the lyrics on your screen and I want you to imagine them all together. Look at the three different versions of Black Soul and imagine it all together as one person. I want you to imagine a chain smoker walking into a church wearing black Jordan shoes, maybe not fitting the dress code of whatever Sunday service they're attending. But despite all that, despite having nicotine riddled lungs, they're using whatever lung capacity that they have left to sing hymns to a higher power. They're singing for their community and for something greater than themselves. Is that not a beautiful thing? When you mix together the negative, the neutral, and the positive, it's really the positive that shines through at the end of the day. This imaginary chain smoker shines through 
with their faith, with their soul, with their black soul shining through the body, the shoes, the clothes that cover it. And at the end of the day, we are a package deal of our goods, our bads, and our uglies. And while it's easy for labels to frame us, it's how we frame ourselves that ultimately defines who we are. Give yourself a good connotation today and let the world love you for that. Anyways, those are just quick thoughts on a Sunday night. I'm going to go to bed and thank you all for supporting the podcast. Remember, we are available to listen on all your favorite platforms, as long as your favorite platforms are Spotify, Apple Music, or Pocket Casts. If you are on the Spotify app, please consider giving us a five-star review. Please know four stars. We are not a Four Seasons Hotel. We are a Five Seasons Hotel because we have five stars. Duh. And if you liked what you heard today or you thought it was pretty interesting, check out our Rhapsody episode. I didn't do a great job explaining this particular lyric, and so I wanted to set the record straight here. Thank you for your time, and hope you have a great rest of your week. Bye.